Hey, Jesse, this is Nikki. Um, I just wanted to deeply and sincerely apologise for not boosting your fragile little ego while addressing both of you on Facebook. I am so, so, so sorry. But who can actually blame me? Because I never listened to a date with Dolomar. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. All right, let's get this thing rolling. Thank you for joining us. This 236th episode of I Doubt It with Dalamore. I am your host, Jesse Dalamore. And sitting directly across from me, as she has for over 250 episodes, still lovely, still talented, Brittany Page. Aw, how nice. (laughs) What a lovely, lovely introduction. I am a lovely, lovely man. Yes. Brittany Page. You are. I, uh, I am altruistic and wonderful. And humble. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a lot going for me. Humble for sure. (laughs) It's it is a remarkable thing. Although that I'm able to carry the weight of this giant pumpkin head with these little legs. Yeah, well, it's nice that you're able to retain some semblance of self esteem with the vicious, vicious internet attacks you receive. That uh, on a regular basis. All joking aside, that's actually something that I get asked all the time: is how I deal. And I, I assume you're talking about YouTube. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I don't really get attacked on the Facebook so much. Yeah, no, it's YouTube. But you, goddamn, YouTube is a unique, unique forum. In, in the world of internet comments. Well, you could p- put up a video of the cutest baby in the world doing something amazing, hilarious, adorable, and there's still going to be some Prick. human being out there <laughs> that has something horrible to say about it, right? Yeah. Well, like I said, it is something I get asked all the time, and I guess, I guess my answer would just be, uh, I don't fucking care at all. I get about ca- the negative comments. Yeah, about the negative comments at all. I, mean, I get called fat. I get called... We, we've talked about some of these words that I didn't even know what they were and had to kind of look them up, but cuck. Mm-hmm. Um, the word nigger gets thrown at me constantly. These are terrible human beings. Even if they don't mean it, they are terrible human beings because they are taking delight. They find delight in... In being able to say these terrible words, being hidden by the anonymity of, of their YouTube profile. So you're saying even if it's a troll, right? They they don't mean what they're saying. They're just trolling your YouTube comment section. Yeah. That you're also not a fan of them. Yeah. Well, I think they're still bad people because well, one, I think I'm relatively unique that it really doesn't bother me. I'm not just saying it for the oh yeah I don't care. It, it, I don't lose a minute of sleep. I don't reflect on it. I don't ever feel bad. Ever, ever do I feel bad about the negative 
terrible shit that gets said. I just don't. Well, maybe you should, in your next video, do an instructional how-to, not feel <laughs> bad about yourself when receiving so much uh, hostility online. Because I think I think peop- that's what you're saying is rare, is basically, <laughs> uh, where else does it exist? Yeah, I you don't know. know. What I'm saying? I don't know. But you know, you know me well enough that I'm... I think I'm uniquely confident without being just like I know my limitations and I have many. You could fill a, a volume of encyclopedias, you know, those things that don't exist anymore. You could fill a volume of those with the with my weaknesses and shortcomings and shitty things. So I'm, it's not like I'm super awesome guy. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm super awesome guy. <laughs> well, I, and I think you've I think you've said that like people have commented things and corrected you, right? Oh and yeah. Then, and yeah. then you issue a correction like to the comment section or the explanation yeah. of what the video is about because they were legitimate corrections. So it's not as though any negative feedback you receive is just completely written off. It's you get. Well, negative it, information you decide if it's just a troll right. you decide if it's just hateful and you decide if maybe you should listen to the critique well like with any form of communication but, but if someone says oh hey by the way the picture that you used wasn't the person you said it was which is something that actually happened mm-hmm. i i'm not what i'm, I'm so smart i'm never wrong I, I corrected myself oh right. fuck, yeah sorry i see that I'll, I'll i'll post a correction in the in the information in the video description but I'm talking about just the hatred. No, they're not trying to edify. They're not trying to correct. They're only trying to tear down. Yeah. Which is a, a YouTube thing. Well, and you get some people that complain about other mindless things that don't really matter. And you can chalk that up to people just being like lonely and having nothing to do, but sit around right, and right. complain about things that don't matter right (laughs) Uh, there are a lot of those people luckily i've been spared i think a lot in terms of critique but i have gotten some and it's fine well even doing what we do here on the show there's a lot of people who have a lot of uh, they're idea guys a lot of guys have all these ideas about how things should be run well my advice would be it sounds like you've got it really figured out. Why don't you go do your own fucking show? Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, there's a lot of those people who want to give some sort of critique, but would never take something like this on themselves. But they know exactly how to do it, like you're saying. Yeah, I mean, this is a risk that we've taken on. I mean, now we're we're well into our second year. We've done 250 some episodes, you know, including bonus content. We should actually get a tally so I can not just estimate all the time. That would be great. But uh, I'm not going to do it though. But but we, it was a, it is a risk. You're we're putting ourselves out there, and now we you know we've got a following, and we've got people who enjoy the show, or at least enjoy it enough to listen. <laughs> right. Maybe, maybe they're hate listening. Yeah. <laughs> well. I'm glad that you are able to retain your self-esteem because we need it here on the show. We need it. Right. So I'm glad. It's a good thing. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's let's get on with this crazy risk called I Doubt It with Dollamore. Let's move on to some listener feedback. We got an email 
that Brittany is getting ready to read. Well, that is a terrible introduction for the email, but go ahead. Hey, guys. Love the show. I was just listening to your latest show where you are back from vacation. So this is a little late. Um, <laughs> the segment where... Sin- late on our part. Yes. Because I'm a, a, a turd who forgets shit. Not, not late on his part. The segment where Senor Douche Canoes, a.k.a. Das Trump, surrogate, <laughs> is on the news defending Trump's mishandling slash attacking of the Gold Star family left out my favorite response, where they blamed Hillary slash Obama for the constant changing of rules of engagement for Khan's death. Parenthetically, although I do believe true to form, they used soft language like, quote, I wouldn't be surprised if Khan died because to assert that they were in fact responsible for this man's brave and heroic actions. First, he parenthetically, and I feel as though I can say this as I am an eight year veteran of the USMC. Ah, stay green, Marine. And fought. and fought in both wars, wasn't some IED victim he sacrificed himself to save others. Second, he died in 2004. Obama was in the state Senate. It <laughs> happened under Bush's presidency. Yeah. I knew that without even Googling. The most offensive action is not that they lie, all candidates do, it's that they insult my intelligence by not even getting plausible lies out there. As stated before, he sacrificed himself. He was no victim of shitty ROEs. Rules of engagement. He was a hero. Absolutely. P.S. Love the show. The asshole of today is the best part. That could still be you, Brittany. (laughs) (laughs) What are you trying to say, Kevin? Oh, Kevin. Yes. Well, thank you, Kevin. Thank you for your service. And we appreciate the email. And I, look, I agree. I mean, there's not not much of a response to give because... The Trump, campa- the Trump campaign has made it very clear that they're not interested in facts. They're not even interested in half-truths. They're just speculation, liars, cowards. They're the worst of politics. The very worst of politics. It's terrible. I think they're great. Yeah, you you would. You are the asshole today, Brittany. Uh, Everyone knows I'm joking, right? Thank you, Kevin. We appreciate the email very much. If you, too, would like to sound off to the show, of course, you can send us an email like Kevin did or email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com or the other way, listeners, that you can contact the show is by calling and leaving a fewer than three-minute voicemail to 657-464-7609. We're welcoming, waiting with bated breath for your communication. We appreciate it very much. All right, in the course of follow-up, let's talk a little bit about Baltimore. In the wake of the Freddie Gray case and all of those cops being acquitted for what ended up being the killing of Freddie Gray, of unarmed Freddie Gray in the back of a police paddy wagon. The Department of Justice, the federal government, did an investigation of Baltimore to kind of get a grip on, get a handle on what exactly was going on there. Well, the federal government has its findings. The Justice Department is sharing with the community, with the city government, and with our police department, the conclusions of its 14-month-long investigation. 
an inquiry that I asked for last May. The, the findings are challenging to hear. But let me be clear. I never sugarcoat our problems, nor will I run away from our most pressing challenges. The report identifies specific problems in the department, but the transparency of the, of the report offers crucial, um, a crucial foundation if we are going to move forward, because I believe transparency is the only true foundation upon which we can rebuild community trust. That, of course, is the mayor of Baltimore reading a statement related to the findings. The federal government has come back and said that there are some glaring issues with the manner in which police treat black citizens in Baltimore. From everything from, from excessive force all the way down to just general street-level harassment of the citizens. It's definitely a problem, and it runs as a thread through the entire department, from bottom to top. So hopefully, this isn't just pointing out what the problem is, and then nothing gets done about it. Because Baltimore has a long history of civil rights abuses and mistreatment of blacks. Even though it is it is a largely black city, it's not like Minneapolis, which has pockets of minority populations, but is, you know, it's Minnesota, so it's pretty white. They also said the agency fails to provide officers with the guidance, oversight, and resources they need to police safely, constitutionally, and effectively. In communities across America, even in communities where trust has been broken, we've seen transformative reform, rebuild relationships, and advance public safety. Yeah. So if you're not providing police officers with the guidance and oversight to perform constitutionally, right. that's pretty serious. Very problematic. Well, you know, the other thing is I really hope that it's not one of these hit it and quit it. We're going to release our report and then we're out. Oh, we're going to wipe our hands off because the federal government needs to stay connected here. They need to stay with their eyes on the ball to make certain that Baltimore does what Baltimore should do relative to this endemic problem. So the department found reasonable cause to believe that the Baltimore Police Department engages in a pattern or practice of conducting stops, searches, and arrests without meeting the requirements of the Fourth Amendment. There's the Constitution That's coming in. That's a big deal. Focusing enforcement strategies on African Americans, leading to severe and unjustified racial disparities in violation of the Civil Rights Act and the Safe Streets Act. Using unreasonable force in violation of the Fourth Amendment. Interacting with individuals with mental health disabilities in a manner that violates the Americans with Disabilities Act. Wow. And interfering with the right to free expression in violation of the First Amendment. Right. It's a, it's a panel plea. Is that the word? Does that fit there? Well, that's what I'm going with. <laughs> a panel plea of problems. Also this, an inadequate response to reports of sexual assault. Wow. Which I don't think is... That layers in a whole different level of problem. Well, I don't think that's specific to the Baltimore Police Department. I mean, you have 
these backlogs of sure rape untested kits. rape kits yeah right. yeah and I mean, who who knows what exactly that entails in terms of the inadequate response? Charging women to have their rape t- kit, rape kit tested, and if they're below the poverty line, can't afford it. Well, then I guess your rape kit's not getting tested. I mean, these are things that are pretty important. Absolutely. So yeah, critical, critical to do. Look, it's your job as a law enforcement official. Your job is also to be the guy who protects and serves. The community. All right. Well, next up, Brittany and I have talked a little bit about the movie Spotlight, an Oscar winner, an awesome, awesome film. If you haven't seen it, it is about the child molestation, the systemic child molestation problem, again, in Baltimore, in the Baltimore Archdiocese, and a Brazilian priest who was named in the movie Spotlight, apparently uh, decided to check out. He was found dead in a prison cell after he was arrested again for suspected pedophilia, authorities said on Monday. Bonnie... (laughs) Go ahead. give Give it a shot. Give it a shot, Brett. Come on. Well, I know the last name is Buzzy, so... (laughs) And I don't... I don't like referring to them as father, so... Yeah, well... We'll just call him Buzzy, even though that seems inappropriate as well. Dirty, filthy, child rapist, Catholic priest, now dead. That is how Jesse D would like to refer to him. Am I supposed to have deep abiding I want to tell the story. Okay, go ahead. Um, He hanged himself with a sheet in a jail cell because he was arrested after a criminal complaint that he had molested two boys aged 9 and 13. He had previously been in jail from 2007 to 2015 for abusing a 10-year-old boy. He was cited in the film Spotlight because the allegations against him had appeared in the starting in the 1990s. Right. So this has been going on since the 1990s. What a prick. So really disturbing. I think what's unfortunate about these situations is that he isn't going to be punished, right? He he took himself out of the equation and now he's not going to be punished. But I guess there is possibly some relief that he's dead. Well, there's... And gone and can't harm anyone else. No no future victims. Right. Yeah. So, look, nobody wants to celebrate the death of someone, but uh, I'm not sad to see him go. How about that? Well, and this was obviously a pattern. I mean, someone who started abusing someone in the 1990s and then who has been arrested again and again and again for doing this. I mean, at what point are you just not allowed back out in the world because right. you continue to abuse children? I mean, that's... While a Catholic priest, while a man of the, the cloth, a man of deep, abiding, pastoral care over a congregation. And I don't know how often this needs to happen before more attention is called and it's it's not controversial to talk about, right? Yeah. I think some people are still uncomfortable to talk about it. Not me. The crisis in the Catholic Church is serious and it needs to be talked about. It is just that, a crisis. All right. 
Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode, as much or as little as you'd like, comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. Candice. Candace, our latest patron on patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. Thank you so much for your contribution. Listen, Candace, <laughs> I want to I want to take a moment just between you and me. And I want to say thanks. <laughs> oh, hey, Brittany, I'm not done. Oh, sorry. Keep your yapper closed over there Got it. while I'm talking to Candace. Thank you very much. We appreciate your support. It is a beautiful, wonderful thing. We cannot thank you. You can jump in any time here, Brittany. Oh, please. <laughs> really, seriously, thank you very much. If you, too, would like to join the growing number of Patreon and PayPal supporters, you can go to dollamore.com slash Patreon or dollamore.com slash PayPal. Both of those will get it done. Every little bit goes a long way. If you don't have the money, if you're not in a position right now to help us financially, what you can do is go to iTunes and rate and review the show. In fact, I did say, because I'm getting ready to print out another, a new batch of stickers, which all of our Patreon subscribers will get, but if you want some stickers, go ahead and post a review, and when it posts your profanity-free review when it posts, message us on the Facebook page, which you should already be following, your address, and I will ship them out. Yep, easy as that. Easy as that. Free stickers. All right. Dollamocracy 2016, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So Hillary Clinton did something really bad. She ran for president? No. <laughs> I mean, I know that we have come to expect this kind of behavior from her because something outlandish happens every single day. Yes. But, I mean, she stood on a stage and called for the assassination of Donald Trump. Uncalled for. How dare Hillary Clinton do that? It's unbelievable. Seriously, I, the, the Secret Service should be knocking on her door, asking her questions about what she said and what exactly her intent was. Yeah. Because any normal candidate, any normal citizen would be having that exact same thing happen. Yeah. They'd be down at the police station with the Secret Service getting grilled right now. Yeah. Well, you can't talk about that about a presidential candidate. Right. Here's a clip of Hillary Clinton doing just that. Hillary wants to abolish, essentially abolish. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course it wasn't Hillary Clinton. God damn. Of course it's Donald Trump. But every time we talk about Donald Trump, people say, well, what about Hillary Clinton? Right. Well, listen, if Hillary, Clinton, sick of it. if Hillary Clinton had stood on a stage 
and alluded to having supporters assassinate Donald Trump, you bet your ass that we would have started the show talking about that. Absolutely. Well, listen, that is precisely it. Had Hillary Clinton stood on stage before thousands of people and said, well, maybe our abortion activists, maybe they'll take care of business. Let's listen to exactly what, listen, I didn't think that there was another line that could be crossed by Donald Trump. I thought it was over. I thought, ah, he's done as much as he could do. It's, it's going to be more craziness, but it's all going to be just at about that level, that same level as everything else. This crosses even the, I like my people who don't get captured. It crosses even that. Hillary wants to abolish, essentially abolish the Second Amendment. By the way, and if she gets to pick, if she gets to pick her judges, nothing you can do, folks. Although the Second Amendment people, maybe there is, I don't know. But come on, we that, all we all know what he meant. It is disgust. Well, like, I say it all the time. We have the commonality of language. And for him and his surrogates, and we're going to get to that, but for them to deny that that's what he's saying, just like Kevin said in the email, he's insulting not just my intelligence, not just your intelligence, but all Americans' intelligence, trying to convince us that that's not what he meant. Yeah, because here's here's what he could have said to easily make this clear, no ambiguous language, crystal clear, with your vote. That's right. That's all you had. To, that's all you had to add. If if that's what you were talking about, that's all you had to add. But at the very least, he wants there to be a double meaning here, right? Because he wants it to be taken this way, but he wants to be able to say, "Oh no, I meant it that way." Right. He he wants it both ways. Well, he. It's just more proof that he is not ready for prime time. He is not ready to be president of the United States. I don't know that he has a full working understanding of just how scrutinized every goddamn sentence that comes out of a president's mouth is. You, you can't just fly off the handle speaking extemporaneously and say something that can be construed, even incorrectly misconstrued. Well... Yeah. When this isn't that case. But Obama doesn't say shit. And then for a week after, people are like, oh, what did he mean by that? <laughs> that doesn't happen. Yeah. It also doesn't happen with Hillary Clinton. No. And and going back to your point about these people who are like, well, you guys never criticize Hillary Clinton. Well, one, we do. There's a story coming up where she's going to be talked about with a, she's going to get a stern talking to Brittany Page. Mm. But the fact of the matter is, her behavior doesn't rise to the level, the egregious level that Donald Trump's that Donald Trump's does. Little tongue twister there. Well, and that's one thing that that people criticize about Hillary Clinton, right? She's fake. She's right. rehearsed. I'm, I'm putting all these words in quotes. <laughs> I um, see that. I see that because that's what people say. <laughs> um, so they say all these things, and she doesn't talk to the media a lot. You're not going to see her just going up to people and having a casual conversation. No, everything's calculated, and you can feel how you do about that. 
But then you have Donald Trump, which is the complete opposite, who is in front of a TV camera every single day. Every single day he's in right. front of a TV camera, just mouthing off, flying off the handle, saying things that... Kicking fucking babies out of rallies. Yeah, saying <laughs> things that he has to correct, saying things that his campaign people need to correct. I mean, I don't I, I don't understand how he's not getting sick of this by now. Well, well, he's not getting sick of it because he just sends a tweet off that says, oh, the media is being so dishonest. Right. How often how often does Hillary Clinton have to have a legion of surrogates who lead with this? Oh, no, that's not what he meant. Yeah. What? Well, what she what she meant was a blah, blah, blah. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. Here's Trump. As well as a little news about this entire dust-up. Donald Trump on the defensive again. There can be no other interpretation. I mean, I mean, give me a break. Blaming media bias for the firestorm over this quip at his campaign rally. Hillary wants to abolish, essentially abolish, the Second Amendment. By the way, and if she gets to pick... If she gets to pick her judges, nothing you can do, folks. Although the Second Amendment people, maybe there is, I don't know. But Trump doing damage control, claiming he was calling on the political powers of Second Amendment voters to make their voices heard, not advocating violence toward his rival. This is a political movement. This is a strong, powerful movement, the Second Amendment. You know, Hillary wants to take your guns away. She wants to leave you unprotected in your home. Clinton's campaign quickly denouncing Trump, saying he is dangerous and a presidential candidate should not suggest violence in any way. Other Democrats echoing the same same sharp rebuke. Senator Chris Murphy calling it an assassination threat. Elizabeth Warren slamming him as a pathetic coward who can't handle losing to a girl. And Gabby Giffords, who survived being shot in the head, says Americans must draw a bright red line between political speech and suggestions of violence. All very strong rebukes of Donald Trump. Two things, though, about his earlier statement prior to making the ridiculous and egregious comment egging on his wackadoo followers to try something uh, insane mm -hmm. is well Hillary Clinton's not trying to abolish the second amendment right I guess we should have started there <laughs> she may want to enact stricter gun control that that I'm comfortable with yeah. But she certainly doesn't want to abolish the Second Amendment. Yeah. It's funny to hear a 70-year-old a man who's trying to be the president of the United States get up there and say, she's trying to take your guns away. Right. She will take your guns away. You better vote for me because she's going to take your guns. But he says the same thing about Obama and more guns have been sold under Obama's administration than the previous I mean, I don't understand how his supporters aren't insulted on a daily basis. I don't think they're smart enough to be insulted. Well, or maybe they just desperately want to believe what he says so badly. I think that that it, it could certainly be the case because of their hatred for Hillary Clinton, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Which I understand. I understand not liking Hillary Clinton. I can even understand hating her and thinking she is bad news. I don't think she's great. I think she's bad news. I do. But come on. Who's worse? 
the other thing is the Second Amendment is not a movement, Donald Trump. <laughs> it's a constitutionally protected right. It is an amendment to our Constitution. It is in the Bill of Rights. It's not a movement. What, what is he talking about? <laughs> he spe- He Seriously, he's not a smart man. He's just not a smart man. Well, and I have had conversations with people where that has been said. And then they say, oh, well, how could someone who's not smart become Donald Trump, essentially? Well, other than the million-dollar loan that he got. Right. But aside from that, you can be very smart in some areas in life, right? And then just not really have it together in other areas of life. Look at Ben Carson. and <laughs> a, a, a brilliant, maybe one-of-a-kind pediatric brain surgeon who thinks that the pyramids in Egypt were built <laughs> to store grain. Who really knows? That is fucking patently stupid. <laughs> so, so where it relates to Donald Trump, yes, I'm sure he's very smart in some ways. But you hear him talk about political issues, about foreign policy. Right. And this guy just does not know what's well, going on. We have nuclear weapons. Why can't we use them? I mean, Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> You know, it's right. Uh, well, listen, it's not just Gabby Gifford. It's not just Elizabeth Warren who have come out in 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 no uncertain terms and talked these comments down and condemned these comments. Former Central Intelligence Agency director Hayden also had very harsh words. How do you interpret what he said? Well, Jake, as you and I were just commenting, we're both native English speakers. Yeah. And when I heard that for the first time, that was more than a speed bump. All right. That, that's actually a very arresting comment. And it suggests either a, a, a very um, bad taste reference to political assassination at an attempt at humor or or an incredible insensitivity. And it may be the latter, an incredible insensitivity to the prevalence of a political assassination inside of American history and how that is a topic that we don't ever come close to, even when we think we're trying to be lighthearted. There was a, an attempt on Donald Trump's life a few weeks ago, actually, and the Secret Service uh, got, got involved. Well, and, let, me, let me say, if someone else had said that outside the hall, he'd be in the back of a police wagon now with the Secret Service questioning him. Exactly. And credit to the Secret Service... They have done just that. Now, it's not in the back of a paddy wagon. It's not in the back of a police car. It's not inside of a police station. But they have had conversations with the Trump campaign. That is just how legitimately serious this is. It's just in. An official with the U.S. Secret Service tells me that the Secret Service has spoken to the Trump campaign regarding his Second Amendment comments. In fact, I'm told there has been more than one conversation regarding those comments with the Trump campaign. Uh, I'm told by the Secret Service that his response, the campaign's response, was that he did not intend to incite violence. But I'll tell you, Brooke, I've been speaking to a number of former Secret Service agents as well. Uh, They have said uh, that these comments uh, are the kinds that are taken very seriously and that if, for instance, a private citizen were to say them, that private citizen you or me, uh, would certainly be interviewed by the Secret Service, but with this added detail that because Donald Trump has such a large following, 
that in fact uh, the potential danger of comments like that could have greater impact because people listen to them and that, that could be a deranged person per perhaps but right. that those comments have an effect but but the news here is that the US Secret Service as a reflection of their concern about those comments has had multiple conversations with the Trump campaign since he made those comments yesterday on the Second Amendment. And to the point of Donald Trump, who said, there's no, uh, there's no way to interpret what I said as that. Well, I guess the, the Secret Service is in the business of wasting their fucking time and going to the campaign and interviewing people about what they perceive to be a real and present danger of maybe inciting some nut to go after Hillary Clinton. Well, Donald Trump tweeted and is calling this report a lie. Right, yeah. He said no such meeting or conversation ever happened. A made-up story by low ratings at CNN. Goddamn. So he's claiming that this never happened. But uh, Mashable reported and has a picture, actually, of Hillary Clinton uh, speaking at a com campaign rally on Wednesday, today. Well, to yesterday, for those of you who are listening when the episode comes out. I think everybody gets it. Okay. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Today is Wednesday. We release on Thursday. Okay. There's a picture of her and Secret Service agents are on stage on the sides of her. Yeah. Surrounding her, basically. So this was... A heightened threat. Level. Obviously considered a problem, yeah. right? Because why else would they be on the stage? I mean, typically you don't really see them on the stage, right? Yeah. When she's speaking. You know, they're meant to not be seen. Right. Unless... It's a show of force, and they want to let everybody know, hey, fuckers, we're here. Right, and so Donald Trump has also been tweeting uh, tweets of thanks to people who are defending him on right. CNN, and he always says, oh, you're fantastic in defending both the Second Amendment and me on CNN. Don Lemon is a lightweight, dumb as a rock, he says. Uh. Now, don't Republicans get angry when Barack Obama says negative things about Fox News? Well, absolutely. But when has he ever said Sean Hannity is dumb as a rock? Well, I just I, I think it's kind of strange for a presidential candidate to attack members of the media. Right. Especially especially so personally. Yeah, I don't know. It just puts a puts a bad taste in my mouth. It's terrible. Well, he did, as you just alluded to, Brittany, send his surrogates out to explain away the comments that he made. First up, sitting Senator Jeff Sessions, early Donald Trump supporter, and as far as I'm concerned, uh, has signed his political death warrant because he's done so after Donald Trump loses by a lot. Well, I think he's saying is the Second Amendment people care about this. Hillary Clinton's position on the Second Amendment is that she will appoint a judge that will make it not a personal right, which means that any state and any city in America can completely ban firearms. It's five to four in the Supreme Court. A new justice replacing Scalia would make it five to four the other way, uh, and that would reverse that holding, making uh, giving the states and cities the power to completely ban firearms. But do you understand how this could be interpreted as suggesting violence? Because if she picks Supreme Court justices, she will have she would have been elected president of the United States. And at that point, he says, uh, although the Second Amendment people, maybe there is 
Uh, let me read to you a tweet. This is Senator Well, let me just say, I don't think so, Wolf. He has no intention of suggesting uh, violence against uh, uh, Hillary Clinton. I just don't believe that's possible. That's Senator Jeff Sessions, who clearly is vying for a Supreme Court uh, appointment by a possibly, <laughs> if elected, President Trump. But let's once again... Let's revisit exactly what Trump said, which is in stark contrast to what Senator Sessions just said. Hillary wants to abolish, essentially abolish, the Second Amendment. By the way, and if she gets to pick, if she gets to pick her judges, nothing you can do, folks. Although the Second Amendment people, maybe there is, I don't know. But clearly... In this narrative that he's painting, Hillary Clinton is in office picking Supreme Court justices, picks for the court, and there will be no way for you to stop her when she's president, is what he's saying. And then as an aside, oh, well, maybe the Second Amendment folks will be able to stop her from making those, those appointments to the court. And, and again, he didn't add in with their vote. He did not. That would that would have been the simple well, way to make this clean. That wouldn't even make sense because she's already in office, already appointing people to the Supreme Court of the United States. He clearly means kill her. That's the way to stop her is if she is dead. Otherwise, why does it matter that the Second Amendment folks, what special power do they have? Are they going to put up a, a blockade where she can't pick people to the... What? It doesn't make any sense. Next up on the Donald Trump surrogate roundup is another woefully disappointing performance by former mayor of New York, Rudy Giuliani. One of Donald Trump's top supporters, the former mayor of New York, Rudy Giuliani. Mr. Mayor, thank you for coming. Hi, George. How are you? Today, you heard the, you heard the speaker right there saying this is a joke gone uh -huh. bad. Apologize? Well, first of all, I was there. And I'd like, to, I'd like the people at home to kind of get an idea of what happened in the presidential campaign. What he said is that they should vote against her. He never used any... But he was talking about after the election. Yeah. He was talking about the election in general. He wasn't talking just about after the election. You know how speeches go. He was talking about... Okay, what in the hell is Rudy Giuliani talking about? He was there? Yeah, there's... There's video cameras. We were there too, effectively, yeah, dickhole. It's being broadcast onto the TV, <laughs> okay? And we can hear everything that's being said, just like how you did when you were there. We could likely hear it better because his mic is being piped right in to a sound system where him, his voice is all echoey. We could hear it better than you could, Rudy Giuliani. So does he not understand the technology today or what's <laughs> going on here? Well, he did just figure out how to not have a stupid comb over. <laughs> that just happened a few years ago. Oh, God. He's a little behind the curve, Brittany. Yeah. Let's let him continue. How they have the power to keep her out of office. That's what he was talking about. That is what generally, but specifically he was saying this. He was talking about what you can't do anything after the election look, except the Second look, Amendment people. We, we know Donald Trump is not particularly indirect. If Donald Trump was going to say something like that, he'd say something like that. I was there. I'd like the people at home to realize that the first time that any of us had any idea that that is the way it was interpreted is when the Clinton spin machine interpreted it that way, spun it out to a press, 
that is willing to hit him every day, bang, 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 and then ask us to question. But questions. in real time, you had people like the former CIA director, Michael Hayden, now, raising the exact same question. Was it in real time? It was after the Clinton spin machine spun it out. They spun it out within about eight minutes. Bam, like that. That is not what he, what he intended. What he intended is very, very simple. What he intended was that they should vote against her. I guess with, that's the with question. A crowd, with a crowd like that, if that's what they thought he meant, they'd have gone wild. Oh, great. Yeah, what a great thing to allude to. Yeah, that's great. That oh. You have rabid, hateful, violent freaks amongst the voters of Donald Trump. Yeah, everyone would have been super excited about Donald Trump alluding to the assassination of Hillary Clinton. Well, I think he's even taken it further that if Donald Trump had even been more clear about inciting violence and an assassination attempt against his rival, if he had been more clear about it, the crowd would have been crazy. Yeah, so I do want to say, though, while you were talking uh, before the clip about how the whole voting thing doesn't matter, I just kind of read the quote that he said a few times. Yeah. And you're right. It wouldn't matter. He is talking about when she's in there. Yes. By the way, if she gets to pick her judges, nothing you can do, folks. Although the Second Amendment people, maybe there is. Right. I don't know. There's no doubt that is what he meant. Yeah, really. The other thing that Rudy Giuliani said, it was that it wasn't in real time. He's indicating, and he has said in other interviews, no one in that room thought that is what he meant. No one. Well, that is just patently fucking false, Mayor Giuliani. Because there was a man sitting over Donald Trump's left shoulder who, as soon as he heard those words, looked to the woman with whom he was sitting, mouth agape, and you could tell he was very troubled and understood the meaning of Donald Trump. Well, here he is on with Brooke Baldwin on CNN. The world watched your jaw drop. I want you to tell me what was... What were you thinking? Well, I was thinking exactly what I said to my neighbor, Connie, and that was, I can't believe he said it. The media will have a field day with this one. <laughs> I was just absolutely taken aghast. Down here in the South, we, uh, we don't curse in front of women. We don't drink liquor in front of the preacher. Yeah. And we don't make jokes like that in public. Now, we may do things in private. We may go to the shed and drink some moonshine or something like that. But uh, we would have taken uh, Mr. Trump to the shed and said, don't say things like that because people will misconstrue it. But it was clear to my mind and to the people around me that he was trying to make a joke. What else would have happened in that shed? <laughs> he doesn't sound to me like a big moonshine drinker, to tell you the truth. I want to hear some more details what i would like to say brooke about the donald trump kerfuffle is i just would take him out to the shed and drink a little moonshine with him you know i know <laughs> that the whole we don't curse in front of women thing is supposed uh, to be like courteous or whatever let me say fuck that <laughs> yeah i mean come on it, it's 2016 right. I don't, what what are we pretending for well also i like the i like the sentiment that look if you're going to threaten the life of a presidential candidate, <laughs> it is unacceptable to do it in public. 
if you're going to threaten the life of Hillary Clinton, make sure it's in your private living room with some buddies. Yeah, the comfort of your own home. <laughs> Keep that to your personal space. So Behave like that in private, not public. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not playing that clip as a uh, way to demonstrate what a wonderful man he is. He's still a Trump supporter. So he's, you know, he's got a few screws loose. Well, people are also, he he was shocked at first, but then he started laughing. I right. mean, honestly, you can see it. He's right behind him. He's shocked. His his mouth is open, but then he starts laughing. Right. So well, Trump didn't mean this is a joke. You could tell when someone's de- delivering a punchline. This wasn't a punchline. This was deadly serious. Sickening. Well, I don't know if it's caused by this, but the support amongst Republicans, establishment, respected Republicans, continues to erode. Long-standing senator for the state of Maine, Susan Collins, has said she will not vote for him. Just moments ago in the Washington Post, there is a new op-ed that was posted by Republican Senator Susan Collins from Maine. The title of this op-ed is Why I Cannot Support Donald Trump. I want to bring in CNN's Jeff Zeleny, who's been covering the campaign for us. Jeff, what can you tell us about Susan Collins and what she wrote? John, an interesting op-ed in tomorrow's Washington Post, no question. Susan Collins is becoming the first Republican senator to say explicitly she will not vote for Donald Trump. This is uh, one explanation why. She says Mr. Trump lacks the temperament, self-discipline, and judgment required to be president. Now, of course, Susan Collins is a Republican from Maine. She is a more moderate Republican. She is quite close to Hillary Clinton as well. When they served together in the Senate, they had a good working relationship here. So certainly she does not speak for all Republicans, John, but you get the sense that this is just the beginning and the continuation of uh, what could be more of a Republican groundswell the closer we get to Election Day, at least among establishment Republicans. And again, I haven't had time to read this, but, but, but Senator Collins doesn't say she's supporting Hillary Clinton, just not voting for Donald Trump. That's right. Interesting. To uh, that's see. right. That's what we're uh, seeing right now. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, but that's the question here. Uh, you know, some Republicans aren't willing to go the step further here. So where do they go? So she's not the only one who's denouncing Donald Trump. That's right. There's a whole litany of Republican national security officials, former national security officials, all Republican, who have together signed off on a letter that was published in the New York Times. Tonight, there are new headwinds facing Donald Trump. Yet another indicator his support is slipping. Trump trailing Hillary Clinton by 13 points in a new Monmouth University poll out today. And as Trump tries to right the ship by focusing on the economy, dozens of senior Republican national security officials are warning about the dangers they see in a potential Trump presidency. NBC's Katie Turr has it all covered for us. Today, 50 of the country's leading national security officials who worked in Republican administrations have had enough, signing a letter refusing to vote for Trump. That list including former CIA Director Michael Hayden, former Homeland Security Chiefs Michael Chertoff, and Tom Ridge. The group warning the GOP nominee would be the most reckless president in American history. So I'm going to read the beginning of it and then the end of the letter. Yeah. 
The undersigned individuals have all served in senior national security and or foreign policy positions in Republican administrations from Richard Nixon to George W. Bush. We have worked directly on national security issues with these Republican presidents and or their principal advisors during wartime and other periods of crisis through successes and failures. We know the personal qualities required of a president of the United States. None of us will vote for Donald Trump. From a foreign policy perspective, Donald Trump is not qualified to be president and commander in chief. Indeed, we are convinced he would be dangerous as a president and put at risk our country's national security and well-being. Most fundamentally, Mr. Trump lacks the character, values, and experience to be president. He weakens U.S. moral authority as the leader of the free world. He appears to lack basic knowledge about and belief in the U.S. Constitution, U.S. laws, and U.S. institutions, including religious tolerance, freedom of the press, and an independent judiciary. Pretty damning. Now, this, I'm this in... is 50 people. Is yeah. there more? Oh, I want to read the final paragraph. I'm going to skip kind of the middle paragraphs and read the final one. Yeah, yeah. We understand that many Americans are profoundly frustrated with the federal government and its inability to solve pressing domestic and international problems. We also know that many people have doubts about Hillary Clinton, as do many of us. But Donald Trump is not the answer to America's daunting challenges and to this crucial election. We are convinced that in the Oval Office, he would be the most reckless president in American history. Where were these men? Where was Susan Collins? Where are all of these people who are coming out of the woodwork now before he got the nomination? Why weren't they linked arm in arm with men like Bill Kristol from the Weekly Standard, who has been loud and vociferous in opposition to Donald Trump's candidacy? A little late to the party, everybody. A little late. Well, very late. <laughs> I mean, well, it's again, it's one more. It's the death knell. The Republican Party, the demise of, of the modern Republican Party is upon us. And it's been beckoned in by Donald Trump. One more thing that he said, and we're going to maybe say something about it and then move on because we've got to get to some other stuff is the other thing that Trump just said either today or yesterday about Obama and Hillary Clinton. In many respects, you know, they honor President Obama. ISIS is honoring President Obama. He is the founder of ISIS. He's the founder of ISIS. Okay? <laughs> He's the founder. He founded ISIS. And I would say the co-founder would be crooked Hillary Clinton. Unbelievable. Uh, does he not know what founder means? <laughs> I, I think he doesn't know. It's very likely he doesn't know what the word founder means. <laughs> or honor. Yeah. He's being honored. Yeah. Like he was at an awards banquet with ISIS. Does he know who ISIS is? <laughs> I, I think he thinks it's that lady from uh, Miami that we interviewed who was pissed off that everybody's calling it ISIS because her name is ISIS. Yeah. That didn't stop happening. <laughs> um, I, I do want to talk about the debates really quick. Just really quick. 
Can okay. I talk about the debates? Yeah, yeah, real quick. Okay, because on Monday night, the Clinton campaign chairman, John Podesta, released a statement saying that Clinton looks forward to participating in all three presidential debates. The only issue is whether Donald Trump is going to show up. So they kind of issued this challenge to Donald Trump, right? They said, listen, we're going to be there. And we're telling the media right now that we're going to be there. Are you going to be there? Right? Well, Donald Trump has been being weird about the debates. Yeah. Well, he's a coward. And it's continuing. I mean, this is still continuing. He did an interview August 9th. And he said, I will absolutely do three debates. I want to debate very badly. <laughs> yeah, you do. But I have to see the conditions. He said, I have to see the conditions. Uh, how now, about, whatever happened to any time, any place, anywhere, I will debate. Right. The Commission on Presidential Debates, a nonpartisan organization that has sponsored and produced general election debates since the late 1980s, has scheduled three debates this fall. Uh I would take issue with the categorization that they're nonpartisan. They're bipartisan. It's run by both Democrats and Republicans, evenly split. So that's that's they're not nonpartisan, but they're you know, both sides are represented equally. Huh. Okay. Well, that's just the, your article's wrong. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> Time magazine. God damn it, Time. Oh, um Well so they do it they do employ Fareed Zakaria. The plagiarist, but go ahead. So Donald Trump went on to say, I renegotiated the debates in the primaries. Remember, they were making a fortune on them and they had us in there for three and a half hours. And I said, that's ridiculous. I'm, I'm sure they'll be open to any suggestions I have because I think they'll be uh, very fair suggestions. Right. He says that he has to see who the moderators are. Right. Yeah. Because if there is a moderator that's unacceptable, he's going to say that because he wants very fair moderators like yeah. Sean Hannity. Probably. Yeah, he wants. Here's who he wants to be moderators. <laughs> Corey Lewandowski, <laughs> Paul Manafort, and Sean fucking Hannity. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he would love that. Listen, he's afraid. He's a coward. And if he does back out, here's what I hope happens. I hope that it just turns into a giant commercial for Hillary Clinton. Although, they'll probably just put uh, Gary Johnson up there. And have a debate between he and she, which will raise the profile of Gary Johnson. Oh, yeah. So this is a lose-lose for Donald Trump. Oh, If for he sure. debates, he is fucked. Yeah. He is fucked It's going to be debates. so great. And if he doesn't debate, he is fucked. Oh, it's great. Because Gary Johnson is going to strip away... <laughs> I'm getting so excited. It'll be like, it'll be like taking a, 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 a spatula... To the face of Donald Trump and just scraping off all that orange paste on his face. <laughs> so the first debate, super excited, September 26th, guys. Coming Mark up. it in your calendars. We're for sure going to do bonus episodes oh, on these yeah. debates. All of them. It's going to be great. All right. Well, as we talked about earlier, Hillary Clinton's email troubles just won't go away. There are nearly 300 pages of emails. Some of them show just how easy it was for Clinton donors to get Clinton favors. Case in point, Gilbert Shiguri. He's a Nigerian-Lebanese billionaire seen here with Bill Clinton at the opening ceremonies for the Shiguri Brothers' multi-billion dollar waterfront development in Nigeria. The project was done under the umbrella of a Clinton Global Initiative to reclaim Nigeria's coastline.
The Shiguris and Bill Clinton go way back. Gilbert Shiguri is listed as donating between $1 and $5 million to the Clinton Family Foundation. And in this new batch of emails, it seems Gilbert Shiguri could use his connections to open doors. In 2009, it appears Shiguri wanted to connect with a top U.S. official in Lebanon. Doug Band, who was heading the Clinton Foundation at the time, stepped in to help. He emailed Hillary Clinton's top aides at the U.S. State Department, Cheryl Mills and Huma Abedin, asking that Gilbert Shiguri be placed in touch with the State Department's substance person on Lebanon. Ban, who once interned for Mills, reminds both Hillary Clinton aides that Shiguri is a key guy there and to us. And he's asking that Abedin call the former U.S. ambassador to Lebanon so the Clinton donor and the former ambassador can connect. But there's no mention of why. There are Clinton Foundation requests for a favor in finding someone a job, paying attention to someone whose ambassadorship was turned down, an intermingling of emails between state, the Clinton Foundation, and others, giving the overall effect that it's really hard to tell where any lines are drawn. Scott Amy with the Project on Government Oversight says even if no legal lines were crossed, government employees have an obligation to avoid even the appearance of a conflict of interest. So you do wonder if there was some kind of impartiality or preferential treatment given to these companies and these lobbyists that didn't go to everyone. And that's not the way our, our government is supposed to work. And this is par for the course for the Clintons. This is the exact same kind of behavior that was on display, on full display, during Bill Clinton's administration. Leasing out the Lincoln bedroom to the highest bidder, political contributions. And now they have this large foundation through which they are able to trade, influence, and access. It is a problem. Oh, for sure. The unfortunate thing is... It doesn't rise to the level to get me to vote for Donald Trump. It's it's a bummer because although America is ripe for a woman president, it is wildly unfortunate that it looks like it's going to be Hillary Clinton. Just a bummer. All right. Well, I, I want to say one thing that the, right. the Clinton campaign has denied that the new emails show any foul play. Um, just like they did with all the other emails and just like they did before the FBI came out with their findings. And that Clinton herself had nothing to do with them, which is just interesting to me that lying is always the course of action. Well, it's interesting to me that lying is the course of action for anyone. Right. Like, I'm going to do this. And then if I get caught... I'll just say I didn't do it. Well, <laughs> Isn't listen, that a weird... It, well, that's the problem with politics, Brittany, is that so many people just expect... It's like the, the email from the listener at the beginning of the show. Yeah. Pa all politicians lie. Why, why are we okay with that? Why is that the expectation? We should hold them to the same standard we would our fucking neighbor. If your neighbor lies to your face, you don't talk to him anymore. You don't trust him anymore. You don't do business with him anymore. Why is it okay for our politicians to lie? It's a bummer. The other thing about this is, is that she's acting, it's kind of a mafia situation where 
yeah, you, you have to talk to Huma Abedin and these other people around her because they don't want a paper trail leading to the secretary. She has all these other people who will take the fire, so she has plausible deniability. Right. It's Of course that's what's happening. It, it's so obvious. All right. Well, what do you say we wrap? Let's do it. Taking care of biz. Taking care of biz. So, Taking Care of Biz is going to be a clip that we found. It's also a little bit of tooting my own horn. <laughs> I gotta say, it's kind of tooting my own horn. Uh, okay, all right. How long have I been saying this? You have been saying this. And it takes a fucking Twitter hashtag for it to finally make the news. You have been saying this for quite a long time. So, Donald Trump says, many people are saying... All the time. <laughs> but no one ever asks him, well, who are these many people, right? Never. So uh, this is finally caught on and people are starting to pay attention. It has long been a staple of Trump speak. Some people have been saying that. A lot of people are saying that. Half the people in this room are saying it. Some people. I don't know. Then this tweet. Many people are saying that the Iranians killed the scientists who helped the U.S. because of Hillary Clinton's hacked emails. Let's go. That harsh allegation, using only many people are saying as his proof, has turned the catchphrase into an instant Internet sensation. Uh, many people are saying hashtag went viral, becoming a forum to mock Trump. Hillary Clinton's <laughs> spokesman Nick Merrill tweeting, Many people are saying that a unicorn is housed in a cage atop Trump Tower. The band Spoon. Many people are saying our next album will heal the sick and end all war. It's just what many people are saying. But beneath the sarcasm is a serious question. Why does Donald Trump send conspiracy theories into the ether with only a version of many people are saying to back it up? Is he a natural born citizen? Some people, I don't know. Sometimes it's about knocking an opponent off message, like during the primaries when Trump questioned Canadian-born Ted Cruz's eligibility to be president. You know, a lot of people think you have to be born here. You have to be born on this land. Cruz, who was then gaming on Trump in Iowa, denounced Trump's allegation. The legal issue is straightforward. The son of a U.S. citizen born abroad is a natural-born citizen. Other times, it appears, Trump uses it to change the subject when he's getting bad press. Trump's Monday afternoon tweet connecting Clinton to an executed Iranian scientist came little more than an hour after the New York Times first reported about a letter signed by 50 GOP national security experts warning Trump would be a dangerous commander-in-chief. A lot of people are very skeptical as to what happened and how he died. When Trump started focusing on Clinton after he locked up the GOP nomination, he used his some people say phrase to road test conspiracy theories from the 1990s, like questioning whether Clinton aide and friend Vince Foster really committed suicide. Trump telling the Washington Post, quote, there are people who continue to bring it up because they think it was absolutely a murder. I don't do that because I don't think it's fair. Beyond why Trump does this, the question is, do these people exist? And if so, who are they? One source familiar with how Trump operates tells CNN sometimes those people are some of Trump's 
10.8 million Twitter followers, many of whom constantly send him ideas and suggestions. Remember, this Trump MO worked for him in the GOP primaries, and even before he ran in 2011, seizing on the Obama birther movement. A lot of these birthers are just really quality people that just want the truth. Still, scroll through Trump's Twitter feed and you realize he's relied on the phrase for years, even to promote his businesses. Quote, many people have commented that my fragrance, success, is the best scent and lasts the longest. Try it and let me know what you think. Dana Bash, CNN, Washington. Uh, so why has it taken this long? And it, it, ultimately, it was Twitter that caught on when he sits with George Stephanopoulos, when he sits with Anderson, when he sits with JTAP, Wolf. No one says, wait, wait, wait. Many people are saying, many people are writing this. Who? They never hold his feet to the fire. I, I know I'm getting back into show mode now when this is our levity before we end the show. <laughs> but God damn it, media, get your shit together. Well, it Maybe is... listen to I Doubt It With Dollamore a little bit more than you are, which would be, you know, never. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it wouldn't be difficult to say that, right? No. When he says many people, oh, oh, who? Like which people? Right? And if he doesn't answer... Pull a Jake Tapper. Ask him 33 times. That's right. Whatever it takes, because it's important to know, well, which people are you talking about? Are these the Breitbart reporters that you're paying? Well, who are you talking about here? Or are these bumpkins on Twitter? Right. I mean, what? What's who exactly are all of these people that agree with you <laughs> right. that we're never hearing from? No one else is seeing them. Or is it the, the slate of debate moderators, Sean Hannity? <laughs> Corey Lewandowski, and Paul Manafort. Right. All right. We're going to leave you there. Thank you for joining us for this episode 236 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. We love you guys. Thank you. If you'd like to support the show other than listening, please go to iTunes, rate, and review with a profanity-free, otherwise iTunes won't let it pass, a profanity-free review. Be honest. Tell us what you think. We'd love to hear from you. Once the review posts, go and let us know who you are, what your address is on the Facebook page, on messaging on the Facebook page, and we'll mail you out some stickers. If you have some extra dollars laying around, some extra pennies laying around, go to dollamore.com slash Patreon or dollamore.com slash PayPal. Every little bit goes a long way to further moving the conversation forward. We love you guys. Until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. You can jump in any time here, Brittany. <laughs> <laughs>